helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Now, here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. If you're looking for advice on topics like purchasing a home or maybe investing in a 401k, buying the right insurance and the correct amount, or just looking for tips on how to get jump start on your savings program, well, this is your program for you. Bottom line is, we're here to help answer your questions as you ask them and go through that process of giving you the advice you needed. And we want to welcome you to today's program. I'm Jim Shoemaker along with Scott Jordan, and we're talking about talk money. Now, here's the thought. Have you ever wondered in your, you know, when you think about a mutual fund or anything like that, what, what's really going on with that investment manager behind the scenes that's managing that mutual fund or that ETF or any of those things that are going on? Well, my guest today is Rusty Leonard. He's a frequent guest of ours, certified financial analyst and the founder and CEO of Stewardship Partners, in the, an investment council firm. And we have the privilege today of, of really just kind of going with him, the pro. He's the pro. And we're going to get to ask him, what does an investment manager do? Now, you know, I kind of know, but I'm interested in asking some of those behind-the-scenes questions. So, Rusty, welcome to the program, sir. Well, thank you. Always a pleasure to be with you, Jim. Well, you know, I've got to check in. You are getting to be a frequent guest. We're going to get your own headset and just set you up and let it go. Right. So, you're, you know, you're, you, we enjoy you so much. You always got so much information for you. But we do welcome you, sir, to the program and always a joy to talk with you. Let me say this. You know, Wall Street, once again, has reminded us that stocks don't always trade higher. You, you, you get what I'm saying? The media, here's the point, they pointed out that the volatility, well, I think, has been driven by fears of this increase in COVID-19 cases. And so you hear that, and then you have this Chairman Powell comes out and reports a, almost this mindset of a dovish mental, mental attitude, a, a cautious Fed, and, and not in step with the recovery, the recent recovery we're seeing. So with all that going on and this volatile I would you kind of call it a bit crazy. Rusty, i got to ask you this. As an investment manager, my first question, all that noise, all that stuff that goes on, the volatility, the big swings up and down, <laughs> here's the question. Do you find it exhilarating or do you find it exhausting? Both. <laughs> yeah, I thought both, so. Uh, but... I get it. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, the, it's obviously trying to sort your way through the mass of information and misinformation, I, and I highlight misinformation in the age of fake news, uh, to try to get to the truth uh, is a lot of what we do. But part of the problem we face now, Jim, is that it's, you know, you, you get to the truth, you may have a good hold on what the actual reality is, but the market's lost its mind, and it does not have a good hold on what the reality is, and so you have to adapt to that. You have to actually say, well, we know the truth is this, but the market's truth is something else. It's fake news, and it's it's listening in on that and paying attention to that. And we, it's always hard to tell, you know, when, how long that will go on. And uh, But in a bubble scenario like we're seeing uh, right now, I believe, it can go on for a while. So when you talk about going on for a while, the volatility, and Scott and I were talking about this, and Scott's going to, I guess, Scott, you want to ask a question because I think it's a good question that typical day. But reality, 
I mean, what, what is it that we're looking for when you say the bubble? Is that something that you haven't seen before, or is this kind of a, a repetitive thought mindset that you see in the market? Yeah, it's something that obviously has happened in the past. The, the Internet bubble is the most famous example. Other markets in Japan, there was a huge bubble back in the uh, late 80s, early 1990, before it burst. Uh, and so, uh, and it just goes back centuries, really. Uh, there's a, a classic uh, bubble called the Tulip Bowl bubble, where in the Netherlands back in the 1700s, uh, or maybe it was the 1600s, I can't remember which, there there was a, a huge demand for tulip bulbs, and people were paying exorbitant amounts of money for tulip bulbs. And, you know, so people can go crazy over almost anything for a short period of time, and sometimes for even a little bit longer than a short period of time. So you have to be aware of that and try to adjust to it as best you can. Yeah, I appreciate you mentioning the tulip bubble. I've never really understood that one, but but yeah. it is history, <laughs> and it did happen. Yeah. Scott, go ahead. Hey, Rusty. Good morning. I just wanted to, I had a question. Uh, you know, anytime I hear that you're going to be on the show, I'm always kind of hitting to Jim that I'd like to be here. So I'd love to hear your input and what you have to say. Um, I, I was wondering, what does your typical day look like, or is there a typical day? Well, thanks for your, your kind comments there. Uh, well, in terms of a typical day, uh, it's I would say if, if you were to sum it up in one thing, it's read, 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 right? There's just massive amounts of information. You've got to sort it out. You've got to you know, throw away the, the nonsense and focus in on the really good info. And because there's this wave of info in the Internet age that's just coming at you from various sources, uh, you just need to be very good and efficient at winnowing through that and getting to the, uh, the really important stuff. So I would say most of my day is uh, just sucking up information one way or the other and, uh, and sorting it out and throwing away, you know, quickly discarding the nonsense and focusing in on the, the, the really good info that's out there. You know, when you say that, the typical investor, at least we get a lot of people that are talking to us about a headline. I mean, and so I mean, the headline can be so catchy and so destructive I appreciate the fact that you say read it. You're not reading the headlines. You're spending a lot more time as an investment analyst, as a person who's in the business full time, making decisions. Headlines are really not your your signal or your thought process. Am I correct in saying that, Rusty? Well, uh, yes, that's true. Uh, but you do need to go in depth, and you need you know, particularly now. I mean, it's just crazy that uh, there's so so much fake news out there. So I'll give you a good example. Uh, yesterday uh, was the report on the retail sales number and the headline number the headline was uh, retail sales were up 17 percent month over month and so you know the average person driving their car listening to this thinks wow the economy's roaring this is the this is a world record number it's never been this this high of a number of month over month change that's phenomenal man the economy's back everything's great of course that was complete bogus nonsense a month over month <laughs> comparison is uh, ridiculous because you're look, you were comparing it to the worst month ever. So, of course, we were going to have a big gain after the worst month ever. That's just common sense. And if you actually look at the year-over-year the -year trend, you were still very negative. The number of re for retail sales was very negative. But I can't tell you how many people out there probably uh, bought stocks yesterday uh, thinking that the economy has fully recovered when, of course, there's nothing even close. That's not even close to be remotely being true. Well, that, that brings me to a question that one of our listeners wanted to know. Are you, when, when people talk about that, that mindset, driving down the road, listening to the headline, what's the difference between a bottom-up investment person and a top-down investment person? 
Yeah, the top down is one who's looking at the uh, economy globally or just in the U.S. and looking at those economic statistics and deciding whether to, to buy, to be bullish or bearish based on uh, the, the general market information and the, uh, the general economic information even more so. Uh, the bottoms-up guy is saying, I don't really know what the heck's going to happen to the stock market or to the economy. It's too hard to predict. Nobody ever gets it right. I'm not even going to waste my time on that. I'm going to spend my time looking at, from the bottom up, looking at individual companies and identifying value by doing hard work and, you know, doing things that other people just are too lazy to do. And I'll, I'll find out where the good stocks are and I'll buy those and hold on until uh, people finally come around and see, see what I saw earlier. So those, that would be a, a quick down and dirty description of the top down versus the bottom up. Okay, well, that makes a lot of sense. And I guess the thought process then is that it, it kind of a two-way street? Do people work both sides of the, of the coin, or do most investment people, like yourself, either they're one or the other? <laughs> I used to work for, you know, I worked for John Templeton, one of the, the leading proponents of bottom-up investing, uh, and one of the legends in our, our business. He's passed away many years ago now, but uh, he was you know one of the legendary investors out there of all time. And, uh, and he would constantly, you know, talk about doing the bottoms up. And we did. We did a lot of bottom up investing. But it's impossible to not do some top down. Uh, you're, even if you claim you're not doing any, you are implicitly doing something. You're assuming some degree of economic activity, even if you pretend you're not. So, frankly, everybody who's a bottoms up investor is a little bit of a top down investor, too. You have to combine both. And uh, I, I gave up the idea that you were only going to uh, do bottoms up a long time ago and uh, realize that you really need to do both. That makes a lot of sense. I think for those who've just tuned in, my guest is Rusty Littard, certified financial analyst, the founder and CEO of Stewardship Partners Investment Council, a frequent guest of ours. We're talking about the day-to-day -day activities of an investment advisor, investment manager, somebody who's buying the stocks and bonds, that you're looking at sometimes that it's the person that is in that, that arena of putting together the stocks and think bonds of, a, of an investment account, uh, whether it's individual account or a mutual fund or something like that. It's what do you do? And you just made a comment, I guess, the idea of economy or looking at individual stocks and bonds, Rusty. So, you know, how do you factor in politics and this social tensions that's going on right now and all of that into the equation. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you can you can talk about bottom up to say I'm going to study stocks and know what's going on there. But how do you put the politics in there? How do you put this social unrest in there? Is that does that just make it much more difficult today? Uh, no, that's standard operating procedure. We've been you know having to do that for a long, long period of time. The uh, you know, you can even look at election cycles and you can see how the market typically reacts in, in election years versus off election years and only congressional election years, not presidential election years. I mean, we have, like anything in the stock market, we have so much data that you can look at it in, in uh, a hundred different ways. But in uh, this year in particular, obviously, it's going to be very important because we're spending money like drunken sailors right now. And uh, you know that there's going to be a price to pay for that and higher taxes down the road. And whoever wins, uh, both at the presidential level as well as the congressional level, level, wins this election, it's going to probably have a, a big impact on the level of taxation, particularly on corporations, which will affect share prices. So you do, even as a bottoms-up investor, uh, which I would say I'm 75% bottom-up, 25% you know, top-down, uh, even as a bottoms-up investor, you do have to look at top-down things like elections 
to determine, you know, what, what do you think the tax rates are going to be? Uh, because you can't determine what future earnings will be for a company unless you have that, that particular uh, number. So you have to make some estimate of that. You know, I think, Rusty, and I think, Scott, when you think about this, this becomes that, that whole, I mean, you're going to have to stay diversified. you got to have a long-range plan because Absolutely. everything you do today can change. As we know, that's what volatility is all about. So, Rusty, I'm just always impressed on how you go about doing that, factoring the politics, factoring the social tensions. I just sense like it's it's a problem, and I know Scott, you talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. And Rusty, I know you've been doing this a long time. How how have you seen the markets change over the years, and and how has that impacted how you do your job? Well, it's become uh, more maddening, right? Uh, because of this <laughs> kind of fake news environment, uh, it, it, there was a, there was always an element of that, but it's just massive at this stage of the game. And uh, there can be no greater example of how silly things have gotten than a certain bankrupt uh, rental car company who's, uh, in the past week and a half or so, its stock went from, uh, you know, pennies, because it was bankrupt, uh, went from pennies on the, on the dollar up to, you know, six and a quarter a share, uh, having a value of almost a billion dollars, even though the company was bankrupt. The company then turned around and, and said, hey, we're going to sell some new stock to unsuspecting investors who will lose all their money in our bankruptcy, but it'll help our bondholders. I mean, the lunacy <laughs> that we're seeing in the market today is off the charts. And these were just retail investors who were out there buying this, having no idea what they were doing. And, uh, and, and you know, an old, an old hand like me sticks back and says, oh, you, can't be, you can't be serious. This can't really be happening. So the markets have changed dramatically, and you would have thought they would have gotten better but they've actually gotten worse. There's more craziness now than there was when I first started in the business, when things were, in, in theory, far less efficient in terms of information flow, because you've gone from a, a place of uh, better information to a place now of lots of bad information that is also influencing stock prices. In addition to that, you've had all kinds of uh, computerized trading schemes going on that uh, you know try to take advantage of the retail investor and others. And so there's, there's just a whole lot of... Uh, more, it's a much more difficult environment, even though we, in theory, have much better and more information. It's actually not much better. We have more information, but it's not much better. And in many cases, it's much worse. And I would say that's the primary thing is the, the amount of bogus news that people are willing to accept as real news and have it be reflected in their, uh, their purchasing and selling decisions of securities. How do you manage that bogus news? Rusty, I think you're, they, just recently there was this particular, I'm not going to name a name, hedge fund manager that said, oops, he'd made a mistake. His, he had only made 3%. He, you know, he had bet that the market would do something and he'd done something else. I mean, we, we read all those headlines, and, and you, you almost get a sense, and Scott and I have talked a lot about this, it's almost like a mindset of manipulating the market with the headlines, do you? And here you are, the investment professional. It's bogus news. Sometimes it's—I won't say bogus, bogus, like totally a blatant lie, but eighty percent of it's kind of, you know, not black and white. It's really gray, light gray, you might say. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, it's kind of one of those situations where it—it it makes for a very, very untrusting market. And I don't like saying that, but I think people feel that way sometimes. It's just like maybe my money is invested better in the backyard in a tin can. <laughs> yeah, I, I can understand that to a certain degree. But uh, on the, if you step back and take the longer view, 
and realize that even with all the nonsense that has gone on now and over all the years, there's always been, you know, the internet bubble was the craziest thing probably I've ever seen. Um, yet the stock market, you know, got clipped after that. Certainly got, you know, investors got hammered in the uh, ensuing years for, for a little while after the internet bubble. But where are we now? We're much, much higher than that. One good thing that we can always remember is that uh, companies are always trying to increase the value of their business. And they work pretty hard at it. And they're not dumb. And they continue to do that. So even in the midst of a market that's full of all kinds of cross-currents of, of silliness, uh, there's a lot of people still out there grinding it out. A lot of the people who are listening to this program are those people who are helping their companies grind it out and get you know get better over time. And that eventually gets reflected in the stock market. So even with all the ups and downs, if you can, um, and, the, and the craziness and the, and the fake news like the retail sales number yesterday, uh, you can... Uh, you can see through that, or even if you can't see through it, you can just kind of hold through it, and you're better off uh, being in the market over the long run than you are having the money in the tin can in the backyard. Yeah, well, I, uh, that's also a biblical principle, not to put the money in the backyard. <laughs> that we need to always keep in mind. You have an investment strategy. Now, I this is what I want to hear from you. I know that's critical for you. You think through that. Your choice of your, your thought process like that. Is that really your plumb line that holds you to a, a focus point on what's important? Or does that investment strategy change multiple times during a year? Yeah, the investment philosophy is your plumb line. Your strategy may be adapted as necessary by the, you know, the, the, the goings on in the market. Uh, for instance, uh, you know, you're looking, when you're looking at stocks, and you say, okay, stocks are, you know, like at the bottom in March, you know, we were like, hey, a lot of value out there. And, uh, but, you know, with the un this economic uh, future and the level of earnings is pretty uncertain, but we could adjust for that. Uh, so we, we'd say, okay, we see value. We don't know if it'll be realized real soon. Uh, that'd be the first level of thinking. And then you realize, no, the Fed's coming in and it's going to pump a lot ton of liquidity into the market. So regardless of what we think about value, uh, we can be pretty sure that with all that liquidity coming into the market and as well as the, the fiscal rescue plans of the $1,200 to everybody and, and, and all that, you knew that there was a good chance that the market would have a, a big instant recovery after this massive sell-off it had. And so uh, we have a plumb line of our investment philosophy that says buy bargains, right? Buy stuff that is really cheap. So that was in place. There was some concern that it may stay cheap, but then when you consider, you make an adjustment in your strategy for the fact that the Federal Reserve was going to pump liquidity into the system, you knew that that probably, they weren't going to stay cheap. So you could buy uh, hand over fist, which is what we did. We bought a lot of stock on the 24th of March. And uh, and then, you know, enjoy that run up. So, you, you, you know, you have a philosophy, which I say is the plumb line, but your strategy has to be adapted to the circumstances. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. I think one of the things that a lot of people don't forget that uh, you 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 are again the the experience is there, and I like the way you said it. The philosophy is the plumb line. The strategy you move the strategy with what you see as opportunity, and I think that's critical. Rusty, what would you say uh, as you wake up and do your job every day? What is the least enjoyable part of your job? Uh, just the frustration. Of, <laughs> Did you hear the laugh the there? I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> least enjoyable, and he laughs. That's good. Uh, uh, but, you know, the, the, just the nonsense that goes on, uh, you know, with people misinterpreting data or, or you know, you, you, 
you look at CNBC's headlines or Bloomberg's headlines and you realize that they're they're pushing something that's just not accurate. And so uh, you, you realize that the market's going to go in some direction uh, that really doesn't make sense in a longer term perspective, but it's, it's still going to happen. And, you know, you're, you're just frustrated by that. OK, the, the I've got it. Wait a minute. I got to stop you, Rusty. I can't believe you just said what you said. You, did you say did I understand that you said CNBC might not be telling exactly the whole truth? They're not just the perfect example of good investment strategy on a day. So I know a lot of people that make their investment decisions after they listen to CNBC. You telling me that's not a good yeah, way of doing careful. it? Yeah, I'm telling you, be really, really careful. And just look at yesterday's headline. <laughs> yesterday's headline on CNBC, I'm sure, not that I, I remember uh, – you know, for sure, but I'm sure the headline was retail sales jump a record. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> it was. Yep. Right. And it, and it made people think that you know the American consumer is out spending money like there was no no end to it, and yet they were actually retail sales were down very significantly year over year. Right. Well, I think what you're telling us is a lot to making this happen. It's not just a get up in the morning and everything's perfect. You listen to CNBC and make your decisions. I like what you said earlier, read, 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 read. And then you have to interpret all those things that you've read. If you just tuned in, our guest today, and he's a frequent guest of ours, Rusty Leonard, CFA, Certified Financial Analyst. He is the founder and CEO of Stewardship Partners Investment Council does a wonderful job for us. And Rusty, since Scott got to ask you what was the <laughs> least enjoyable, I want to ask you what's the most enjoyable. Well, obviously, when you uh, when you find uh, uh, something that others haven't found yet, and you've uh, identified value in a particular company, and you know you've got it, right? You've, you've gotten it, you've discovered it, you, you think there's a very high probability that you're you know, figured it out accurately, and you know it's just a matter of time before the market catches up with you. That's the best, right? Because you know you're going to get a good return on that particular investment. You're going to be a blessing to your clients, and uh, you know, just all kinds of good things flow out of uh, making those those good decisions. So, uh, so you know, all that digging, all that reading, all that work that exhausts you, it all of a sudden becomes exhilarating when you finally you know say, hey, I've got something here, and I know the market's going to figure this out at some point in time, and you know, the stock price will be much higher. Well, that's uh, that sounds that does sound, and I can tell it in your voice. That's what drives you to get up every day and do what you do, and you've right. been doing this a long time. Right. I appreciate the fact that you mentioned you actually did work with Sir John Templeton. What an experience I know that was. I've heard you talk about that before. You know, it's uh, Rusty. You're always such a privilege to talk with because, again, the insight that I think you help the average investor, the person that's listening, that know that there is a lot of work to doing what you do. And you're not listening to the headlines all the time. You, of course, pay attention. But I like the fact that you mentioned the bottom-up mentality of picking a stock. We're buying the stocks that make up this great economy that we have called the United States economy. And that's what you're doing. And I so much appreciate what you do, man. Thank you so much for being with us today, man. Yeah, appreciate it. Always, always a pleasure. All right, sir. We'll have you back. I want to talk a little bit when we get through with the first half of the year. I wanted your take on the first half. All right, sir? Uh, that'll be an interesting show. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you so much. All well, right. you know, Thank we've you. been talking with Rusty Leonard. Now, when we come back, I want to dive in with Scott, because, Scott, you've got some things that we've got to look at, some, some observations that you and I've got 
based on some of the things we talked with Rusty about and some, some themes. But number one, we're going to talk a little bit about emotions and following the herd. So when you come back, I want you to dive in with me and say two things that every investor has to know before or as you are in the investment world. Stay with us. We'll be right back. I'm Jim Shoemaker along with Scott Jordan. This is Talk Money. Podcasts of Talk Money are available in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. Jim Shoemaker and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Neither Security and Financial Services, Inc. nor Shoemaker Financial are affiliated with Chaplain Tommy Stafford, Rusty Leonard, Stewardship Partners Investment Council, Inc., or Shelby County Department of Corrections. The views and opinions expressed are those of Chaplain Tommy Stafford and Rusty Leonard only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Security and Financial Services, Inc. or Shoemaker Financial. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, I'm talking with uh, Scott Jordan. We're just kind of going through some issues. We've been talking with Rusty Leonard, and of course, he's given us some tremendous insight on what are the job responsibilities? What do they do? What does an investment manager do day to day? Now, I like what he said. Read, 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 read. He said that multiple times, Scott, and he didn't have anything. I mean, he was very good about saying, don't always believe what you read, and I think that's critical for us. Absolutely, absolutely. There's so much information out there. I mean, he alluded to that. I mean, we are bombarded today by headlines, information coming at you, and it is getting very difficult to dig down through that and get to the actual facts. Well, you know, he mentioned the fact of the retail sales number that comes out. And he perfect said, example. you know, that's a perfect headline. Yep. And it says best month ever. Right. Well, you know, again, I mean, if you read just the headline, wow. Yeah. You know, this Thanks economy must be really doing great. Yep. But in reality, we know it comes off of a, you know, a horrible retail sales the previous month. Sure. So I want our listeners, I think, Scott, that really to understand there's some there's some fundamentals that we want to make sure and some thought process because as we talk with Rusty, Rusty's the professional. I like what he said, bottom up versus top down. Top down, you have to look at what's going on. He, you know, he said Sir John Templeton said bottom up only. I can remember yeah. when that was it. That was the way every investment manager did. They simply did not listen to the news media at all. But today... There's so much news yeah. and there's so yeah. much noise. And with the retail sales being the key that we're talking about, it does affect the retail investor. Absolutely. I mean, guys that have got their computer and they're buying, they're just back and forth. We just see so much more of that mentality than we did 10, even five years ago, 10 years ago, sure. 20 years ago. So for our listeners, I want to talk about really some fundamentals. So first and foremost, what would you say to anybody listening to the program to kind of be put in their cornerstone of what to do? Well, I think, I think first of all, you know, it starts with having a strategy. I, I'm going to back up here a minute and say, you know, you have to have a strategy and know what you're trying to accomplish. And that's, you know, that's your investment strategy that you're working off of. You know, we talk about this a lot. You can get caught up in a lot of stuff, all this information, but having that strategy, knowing why you're investing, and then you can start to build, you know, what we call an asset allocation strategy. How much more having stocks? How much more having bonds? And we want to diversify. We totally believe in diversification. And then rebalancing. Those are those cornerstones. Um, 
But as it relates to today specifically, I would say the, the first thing I would bring up is, is the, that herd mentality, following the herd. You know, you see this both on the downside and the upside. You know, people get fearful and they, they start talking and listening and looking and, and they want to run one direction. And then, then you get that fear of missing out. You know, you want to you want to run the other direction. So it's that following the herd and letting those emotions start to drive your investment strategy instead of letting your plan drive your investment strategy. I think uh, that's critical. Yeah. I think that's what you're saying, and I, and I appreciate that. So this herd mentality, whether it's up, down, or whatever, it doesn't make any difference. But, I mean, recently this downturn yeah, sure. Perfect was example by some, some, this, this whole mindset maybe of the herd mentality. It, it was, and what we saw, what we started to see is you started to see a lot of these stocks get popular that are very tied or very leveraged to the economic comeback, a lot of sectors, and you saw money pouring into those. Uh, Rusty brought up a perfect example of a rental car company. That was the one I was scratching my head off, uh, scratching my head on. And, uh, you know, it's, it's this mentality of here's a great opportunity. And, and trust me, there are some great opportunities during market downturns, but it's not always a given that you're going to pile into something that's been beat up and it's automatically going to come back. You do still have to do your fundamental look at, look at the balance sheets and things of the company. You saw, money pouring into weak balance sheets. And a lot of that volatility was that money running the other way when people started to realize, hey, maybe this is not a good direction to go. So Maybe it's maybe not the thought process being. So when you talk about that, you know, I think there's been so much problem with, you know, social distancing. We've sure. talked about that on the program before. We've talked about shutting the economy down. So when we see this reopening and things begin to take place, I, I get the feeling that, this whole idea of everybody saying we reopened too quickly, put some stress on some things, and maybe I, I really felt like that there was this whole idea between wearing masks and not wearing masks, the rising virus cases in some areas, and I think that triggered a sell-off. You sure, know, we yeah. recently, saw. but that's volatility. That's volatility, and people have to understand, and we say this over and over and over again volatility is the natural part of the market, but yet we know people get caught up in that emotion of that big swing. I mean, you get, sure. I, you know, you have some, I had someone call me and said, hey, what do you think? Is this, is this the start of another down, right. huge down? Right. It's, that, it's that mental mindset of understanding what's going on or not understanding what's going on. And I think our focus on the program is to try to share facts and not try to share emotions. Staying, and you said, don't follow the herd and manage your emotions. I also like what you said, volatility can be worked around with diversification, allocation, and those are two. Th and we don't say at any time that we ever say on this program that those two protect you against loss. No, absolutely not. I mean, you're in the market. You're going you're gonna to take the swings of the market, but by, by diversifying and spreading that money out, you, you, take, you don't take such a big risk of permanently losing your capital. You know, you can ride through some of those downturns and not, not put all your eggs in one basket. You've heard that saying a lot. So uh, Yes, we, we hear that a lot. So, all right, with that said, there's this mindset around Mr. Powell, and we've just heard his report recently, and he actually was accused of being dovish, sure. you know, or maybe too 
cautious, or, or another term I read, out of step uh, with the market. What's your take on that? That's a pretty big statement for the media to say Chairman Powell, the chairman of the Fed, is out of step. This guy knows the economy. I was going to say, you know, there's they, a. They print it. I mean, they literally say he's out of step with the economy. Now, that makes to the average person driving down the street listening to go. Right. You know, that's right. but why would they say something like that? Well, and, and I, you know, a, a saying came to mind that's become popular over the last couple of decades. Don't fight the Fed. Right. You know, exactly. these guys, these guys have a lot of information and they're looking underneath and they're they're getting this information a little faster than some of us get access to it. So I think people were looking at it going, hey, the market is kind of kind of pricing in a very, very quick recovery. And I think the Fed's a little more cautious saying, hey, you know, this is a this is a big drop. I mean, of course, we're going to recover when you look out and look forward. You know, the economy will rebound, but it may be a little slower than some people are anticipating. I heard it said the other day we took the elevator down. But we're going to have to take the stairs back up. And I like that. And that's <laughs> that's a good always been the case. Yeah. though. I mean, that's how it normally works. And but I, I think that this this idea between this this mindset of a a dovish or a out of step really bothers me because the Fed, as you said, maybe we ought to do a program one day just understanding how the Fed works. And I know my knowledge is uh, is, is, is there, <laughs> a little small, a little yes. bit. But I think it, it's more than probably the average person on the street because I've spent you know years and years and years, as you said, watching the Fed, listening to the Fed. You don't fight the Fed. I appreciate that. What do, what do you think about inflation pressures? I mean, that's one of the things the Fed has to watch. Well, when you think about the Fed's dual mandate, and you know that's full employment and, and stable prices or stable inflation, and you look at what's going on right now, unemployment's extremely high, inflation is low, so why would they not be dovish? I mean, they're going to be a little more easy, or they're going to have an easier monetary policy to try to push that unemployment number down and then bring that inflation number up closer to their target. You know, they've been targeting a 2% inflation over the last you know, decade, and it's been hard to get our economy up to that 2% inflation. So their their mandate is to try to keep those prices stable and keep that growth going. And I think that, you know, what per Chairman Powell's comments that kind of made people think he was being a little too cautious, I think they're right in line with what's going on with the real economy. You know, that's, that's a good point. If you just tuned in, Scott and I are just going through some observations and some things that we've seen. Now, we've told you some principles that, that are extremely important to any investor listening. Now, we try every week to talk to you, whether it's, you know, this week we're dealing with the investment because the reality volatility has been extremely volatile. We've seen the market very volatile this past week. I guess that's the way I should say it. But I guess I'm thinking with you, and I want you to hear me. There's some fundamentals that do, we want you to understand. And we've placed on our Facebook page a white paper that you can go to, get it to a PDF and print it out. It's called Don't Panic. Now, I don't sense there's any really need that you might even think that way. But it's nice to have it in your car if you're driving down the street and somebody says something that just go the market's going crazy. It's titled Don't Panic. It's for you. It's free. Just go to our Facebook page, Shoemaker Financial, and Facebook. And that's simple, easy to do. I'll tell you more about that later on in the short show. But the reality is it's called Don't Panic. Make it a PDF. Print it out and read it. And we're talking, number one, about don't follow the herd. Have an investment strategy. Have a plan, a long-term plan. And, Scott, you drive that point home 
so effectively. Why is that in your mindset the key to everything? Because I think you have to expect times like we went through back in March, times that we're going to go through in the near future. I think this recovery is going to be a little bumpier and possibly a little more uneven than people anticipate. I hope not. I hope it's straight up. I always would. But I think we're going to see more volatility. And having that strategy and having that plan and keeping that long-term perspective, that is the hardest part of being an investor. That is, it sounds easy. You know, you say, keep your emotions in check. Oh, oh, well, okay. I, well, that's not easily done when, when the information comes just pounding you down saying, you know, this time is different. And, and so it's very hard to stay focused on that long-term plan. But if you have that strategy, have that plan, you know your why, you know what you're trying to accomplish, you can gain some perspective by looking backwards and going, okay, how, how have we weathered these types of times before? Now, again, that's no guarantee of the future, but that gives you some perspective that says we've been through times like this before. We'll make it through this. And if you can stay focused on that, that goes a long way toward not letting those emotions derail your long-term strategy. That's a great point. A while ago, you talked about literally the, the Fed and being dovish and being out of step. But And you talked about inflation. And I, I think inflation is always key. Keeping inflation at a reasonable rate, the target rate's been 2% for years. Get it unemployment down. We're at a pretty high unemployment rate now, even though it's much lower than it, you know, what people were expecting. Yeah, absolutely. The numbers came out better. High, yeah. You know? I mean, there's a lot of people saying that uh, the reason why people aren't going to work, they're making more money with the people. Well, it's about to run out. The PPP plan is about to sure. run out. Yep. And the reality is that's when people are going to be looking for those jobs. But the rate was, you know, down in that number that I think everybody considered to be good. But now here's my question for you. And I think it's a question that a lot – when – Will they raise interest rates, Scott? Now, you know, if you can answer that, wow, by the way, Jim. you can do the program from now on. <laughs> uh, you know, I think that it, one of the things that the Fed in, in recent times has become better at is giving that forward guidance. And there's not any indication right now. Now, the Fed also uses that term data dependent all the time. So they're giving forward guidance saying we're, we're not looking at raising rates well out into 2022. But situation could change between now and then and cause them to do that. Now, Jim, I am not going to sit here on this show and try to predict the Fed and when oh, they're going to raise on, it. Scott, that's the purpose you've been on the program. <laughs> I gave up on that a long time ago. <laughs> Interest rates and currency movements, I don't try to predict. You know, we have uh, talked about rising interest rates so long. I mean, I can remember yep. literally five, six years ago, we would say, well, rates are going to rise. And it didn't. And we right. would, you know, and, and so it's almost like you said, let's yeah. just forget it. I mean, you know, you look kind of at history and wisdom and say we're probably going to tick up a little bit from where we are right now, but I, I don't anticipate a sharp spike in interest rates anytime in the near future. I think the federal government will do everything they can to yes. keep rates down yes, because the economy desperately needs that right now. We need to remind ourselves, folks, this is bottom line, that our stock market has plenty of volatility in it, and it's got a lot to go. I mean, it's enough to keep us on our toes, it has got. It is, it is. It's no way around that. It's just the way it is, the nature of the beast. But here's the thought for you. Here's kind of that secret sauce. Here's kind of that extra spice that you need, risk management. And the being committed, as Scott says, being committed to a long-term plan and that what you're doing with that long-term plan, you're participating in the greatest economy in the world.
Absolutely, be. absolutely. That's the, great. That's what we're for. They're great company, and that and that's easy to kind of to kind of get separated from that. We're invested in companies. We're invested in businesses that are going to produce the goods and services that we all love and need, and and that's gonna that's gonna succeed over a long. Health, time. education, and welfare. That's the <laughs> bottom line. We all doing that, but the reality is, we look at it: food, clothing, and shelter. Yes. And that's the necessities of life, and that's what we've got, and that's what we're investing in, and that's the bottom line. And I like what Rusty said. He does it from a bottom up. He studies the company. The people that are running it, we've had other managers that are doing the same thing. Yep. So bottom line is, folks, that's what we do. We do this long-term plan to participate in the greatest economy in the world. Well, you've been listening, of course. We're talking with Scott Jordan, but I'm going to take a little bit of a sidetrack here because this is a part that I want to talk about about our city. And we do this once a month with uh, a guest that we can bring on the air and uh, that I feel like can give us some insight to what's happening. And I am so privileged to have Chaplain Tommy Stafford of the Shelby County Division of Corrections with us. And uh, Chaplain Tommy, I want to welcome you to the program, sir. All right, thank you. It's nice to be here. Well, let me start. I feel like this is kind of important for so many people to know. When we say Chaplain Tommy Stafford of the Shelby County Divisions of Corrections, I think everybody's going, okay, what's the duties of the chaplain for the correction of the, you know, the county division of corrections? What's, what does chaplain Tommy do? Well, I do much like the same thing that a pastor of a church would do. Uh, I have a congregation. Uh, of course, my congregation is the inmates. And, you know, I kind of pick at pastors all the time. I ask them, what is your congregation? What's your number? You know, can you put your hand on all of them? Hey, give me 30 minutes, and I can go touch uh, 100% of my congregation. But, yeah, I, I meet with them. I talk with them. I pray with them. I counsel with them. I'm with them if their ups and their highs or, you know, their lows and their bottoms. You know, uh, sometimes they have a death in the family, and I'm there with them. Such a ministry, uh, Tommy, and I really appreciate that. There's a need. Can you kind of give us some insight? I mean, with all the turmoil that's going on outside of the correction system here in Shelby County, what is it they? What are they experiencing in the Shelby County correction system? I mean, it, it's got to be affecting all the, the 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 issues of the riots, the issues of the pandemic. How does that affect that population in, that you're seeing on a day-to-day basis? Well, everybody's in question. Everybody just wants to know what's going on. You know, we're everybody, whether we were in or whether we're out, we're, we're looking too much at the news. And, of course, we're getting too much bias. We're not getting the correct news. And based on that bias, if you listen to it, you strike fear. And, you know, our Lord is not the author of fear. So that's where we need to look at, and that's where I talk to them and, and try to bring everybody, whether I'm talking to people on the street, down at the service station, or whether I'm talking to people at work, is look up, don't look around. Well, that's so, that's such wise counsel. That is so important to us. I mean, if you look at what 1 Corinthians 9.22 says, I mean, it says, I have become all things to all people, so that all possibly means I might save some. So you're in the trenches with that population let me ask you this. I mean, I, I sense sometimes that, you know, 
this is a ministry that you are dedicated to. You talk about you're they're there. You're 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 doing the thing from an understanding. You're you're demonstrating God's grace and God's love. You're ministering to a people that need to be ministering to. You're that you know there there's a different culture there. What's the toughest part of your ministry when you talk about talking to people that are in prison, that are incarcerated? My wife and I, back in prison fellowship days and when we were part of it, we, we would house some prisoners with us. They would come and stay with us for two weeks. And we did that several, several times. And the reality is we got to know people. We've, got to, we go, we've done some work in the prison fellowship ministries, and we still do some work with them. But what, what is it like? What are, you, what are some of those people? Tell us of a, of a particular case that you've had where it has been a, a real touch for people because of what you do on a day-to-day basis? Oh, a lot of times I sit there, and, and my wife and I, we've, we have had uh, the loss of several children due to miscarriage. And even at that, you know, most people look at the feminine aspect, the mother's aspect, and everybody want to go and talk to her and, you know, comfort her. But a lot of times people don't want to talk to the, to the husband because it's just, or the father. They just want to go to the mother. If I have an inmate who happens to have a, a loss of a child, of course, there's nothing he can do about it. There's no comfort he can go to, nobody he can run to. But I can sit down there and really identify with him because I've been there. And I have to tell him that, you know, this is the way it's going to be. And it, it, it's not that people don't love you or think about you. It's just that they just push the attention toward the woman, the mother. And I also have to remind him that also, you know, when you go to church, you hear the invitation given, there's a father expecting to be a father again, and yet maybe nobody walks that aisle. Hmm. Well, I hear your passion, uh, Tommy. I mean, you're a Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary graduate here in the city. How did you begin serving as far as when you started working at the prison? How did that start in your life? Give us that history. I was just a member of Cherokee Baptist Church, and there was a woman in our church that did some female prison ministry by the name of Kay Burkhart, and she came to our pastor once, one day and said, uh, we got an opportunity to let you preach uh, out there one Thursday out of the month. And so he started preaching one Thursday out of the month, and that was Pastor Ron Griffin, and he came to me one day and one evening and said, uh, I'm not feeling too well. Would you drive me to the prison tomorrow night? I said, sure. So I drove him to prison and we got there and he preached and the following month he asked if I'd drive him again and I did and I got there and he said, uh, you preach. And I said, Pastor, I'm not ready. I, you know, you didn't warn me of this. He said, you can do it. So I fumbled through something and the following Thursday night I came home from work early and I picked up my Bible. My wife said, what's wrong? I said, I'm going to get ready in case he pulls that on me again. Sure enough, he did. (laughs) Sure enough, he did. And on the way home, he looked at me and he said, that's what you need to do. And that's how I got in prison ministry. Wow, that's a great story. Tommy, how can we pray for you? How can we look, you know, if I want to put you on my prayer list, so can you tell me specifically the ways that we need to be praying for Tommy Stafford and the Shelby County Division of Corrections? Course protection. I'm not in fear of anything that goes on out there, but when I say protection, I'm I'm only uh, mainly mean spiritual protection. 
uh, even out there, or even on the streets, or you know, even what we see on TV, what comes through everything, there's always that spiritual darts coming your way, no matter where you are. It seems like the higher you are, uh, the the more prominence you have or preeminence you have in a place, the the, the sharper and the more frequent those darts are, uh, just for spiritual guidance and wisdom. Well, we can definitely do that. Spiritual guidance and wisdom. Well, you've been listening to Chaplain Tommy Stafford, Shelby County Division of Corrections. Listen to me, folks. This is a person that does a lot more than just give Bible to people and pray for people. He is in the trenches. He's serving our prison ministry in a prison ministry full time as the chaplain of our correction systems here in Shelby County. So put him on your prayer list, Horace. Chaplain Tommy Stafford. Tommy, thank you so much, sir, for being with us today. We appreciate it. We will be praying for you, my man. Okay, thank you. All right. Chaplain Tommy Stafford, Shelby County Division of Corrections. Put him on your prayer list. We would appreciate doing that. You know, the bottom line is, Scott, that is a ministry that can go literally unnoticed if we're not careful. Absolutely. I mean, people just don't think about that. It's such a huge, huge need. And, and I think that's what's we need to be praying specifically. We only mentioned that somebody, you know, you think about it, you're in a correction system and you lose a, a child and mm-hmm. you can't go to that funeral. That is, that that's would be tough. tough. That's very tough. That's the part that I think is so hard. Well, you know, we've had a program. It's been a fast moving program today. Yes. Not a question that we talked about a lot of stuff. Uh, you've said, and I appreciate what you said. Stay the course, have a strategy, no question about it. You got 30 seconds to tell the listeners, what else would you tell them? I, I would say just just expect the peaks and valleys along the way. I mean, the economic recovery, it, it, I believe, will happen, but expect some bumpy road along the way. Be prepared for it, stay the course, follow got the it. strategy. Got it, follow the strategy. I like it. Well, you've been listening to the Mighty 990, KWAM FM 107.9 and AM 990. My guest, Rusty Leonard, founder and CEO of Stewardship Partners, and Tommy, we've done Tommy Stafford of the Chevy County Division of Corrections. I've asked you to put him on your, on your prayer list. Give us a call if you would like to contact either one of them. We would be glad to give out their numbers to you personally if you call. But if you have additional questions for Scott or would like to talk with him personally, you can call him at 757-5757. If you have questions for Talk Money, send them to Talk Money at Shoemaker Financial. To find today's program on podcast or past programs, go to iTunes and search for Shoemaker Financial or podcast at kwam990.com. And be sure to like us on Facebook. We have put that Don't Panic PDF. It's a white paper. Go to Facebook, download it, read it. It's yours for free. Whether you're looking for advice on topics like buying a home or investing in your 401k or purchasing insurance, looking for tips just to start a savings plan, this is your program. It's designed for you. Next week, we get an update on the housing market in Memphis and the purchase of your first home. You don't want to miss that program. Some very important tips from our guest. This is the Mighty 990, KWAM 107.0. That's FM 107 and AM 990. I'm Jim Shoemaker along with Scott Jordan. Thank you for listening. This is Talk Money. Talk Money is produced by Greg Ratliff. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner. Production assistant, Eleanor Moskovitz. Compliance officer, Tommy Armstrong. Mid-South History Moment, Rebecca Brazier and Drew Johnson. 
We'll see you next week on Talk Money. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or a recommendation. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Financial advisors do not provide specific tax or legal advice and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax or legal situation. Jim Shoemaker and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer. Member FNIRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.